we Are you enjoying uh, that? The big ass cookie? Yeah. Is it chocolate chip? Dude, it's massive. It's triple it, chocolate. Yeah, it's like chocolate chunks. I don't know how they make these things. They so must, disgusting. I can't even look at you. I can't even eat this whole thing. <laughs> it's a monster. Because it looks so good. Do you want half? No. Maybe half. No, 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 no. I'll share. I'm not above it. I'm not eating this whole thing. I'm a fat piece of shit. <laughs> I have to cut it like a snake. That is a big cookie. Yeah, they're no joke, and they're not that much more than the regular ones. Very big cookie. Massive. How many T- steps did I get in today? I gotta, I gotta check. You've this been out. stepping. Who you stepping on? I wasn't stepping on anybody. <sighs> tea and cookies, man. That's the that's the vibe whoever, of this episode. Whoever would have thought tea and cookies would? You know, you think about that. Everything had to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, like I think it's the British, point. right? The British did that one. Did they? I don't know. I honestly don't. Maybe know. it's maybe it's the Chinese. Chinese. Don't you think like the the Romans or the Egyptians or the Sumerians? Somebody had tea, and isn't tea very old? Yeah, it's Chinese. I feel I feel someone could have come up with a cookie or a biscuit. Maybe cookies didn't really exist back then, but something, so, something. You know, something. I mean, it's something. I don't know. Yeah, unreliable narrator. That's, that's what we're talking today. So, um, tell me about this. Um, so I've, I've heard the term before. I love this concept because it, it's popped up. In I, some cool I don't stuff. think it was what I was thinking. Yeah. So what? What is this reli- unreliable narrator that you speak of? It's it's mostly. I want to say it pops up in a lot of noir type film noir stuff. And for those of us like myself who do not know what film noir film is. Film noir is a genre of mostly films, but uh, some some literary, literary and otherwise. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a noir play. I'm sure there's one out there. But I'm sure there is. Yeah, I can't think of I can't think of one top. specifically. But yeah, uh, noir is, it, it, it comes from that term like black, like dark. It's it's it, Like a dark film. Dark yeah. film was what it, where it was, it originated out of French cinema was where that term came from. And it's some of the tropes that go along with film noir as a genre. A lot of the times it's narrated over by the main character who's, mm-hmm. a, who's most commonly a, some form of a detective. Yeah. They're they're trying to figure out the scenario, and a lot of often it's the '30s are typically what you think of when you think of film noir. And this this is where I think Maltese Falcon is like one of the Humphrey Bogart like staple. Yeah, it's that when you picture that classic Private Eye. Yeah. With how it it came down a lot to how they lit it, right? Yeah. There were a lot of heavy heavy shadows. A lot yeah. of the a lot of graphic novels have Adapted. tried to recapture this, like, and it's just, a lot of headlights. Yeah, is one, of the, one of the big visuals. I just thought of Watchmen. Does Watchmen have like Watchmen's a film? very much film noir? Yeah, it, it uses that that headlights trope, like yeah. headlights streaming through fog of the night kind of okay. look, and it's everything's mysterious. It's it's all, all about amping up that mystery vibe and the detective vibe, trying to solve the mystery of what's going on in the story. But the the most notable one for film noir, I think, is is probably Road to Perdition. I can think of several others. Double indemnity. Now there's a, there's another subset that like Fight Club Memento fall into that's neo or retro noir, kind of a new emerging genre that's kind of taken some of the tropes and spun them a little bit, so it's a little more postmodern. A lot of people don't yes. think of Memento as a noir, but it very much is. Fight Club's another big one. Fight Club, okay. On the more funny side, there's Steven Soderbergh's The Informant. It uses that uses this trope to a very comedic degree, but basically what it is is you have the the central character of the story is is a narrator talking directly either to the audience or to the general proverbial group. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of whoever the story is aiming at, and it's that the information they are telling in those narrations, for whatever reason, could be any, for any number of reasons in the context of that story, but their their information is not credible. It's their, basically, you can't take what they're saying as fact. Once, once the story is all said and done, you realize that they were not being truthful and giving you all the correct information. And now is that something that, I'm assuming, is that always something you find out? at the end of the story or sometimes i mean I, does it have to be something you knew off the get-go i guess not it's like usual suspects you okay. find that out at the end so that's yes. like that's their big reveal is you realize oh kaiser kaiser soze kaiser soze yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Every, everything is find out everything you've learned in this story was all made up bullshit and <laughs> he's just he's just trying to get away with it he's the one who did it and they had him dead to rights and then he's just gone he got away with it got away with it right from the beginning it was him the whole time was it the whole time that guy in that hairpiece that was bruce willis the whole time he's the guy he's he's the guy but he refers to himself in third person (laughs) that's jimmy that's how he talks Yeah, so it's 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 I've I've always found this one to be an interesting one. It's in the context of Memento. It's it's largely he doesn't know that he's being untruthful. He's lying even to yeah, himself. He, yeah, because he keeps for those who haven't seen Memento, at least the setup. I don't think I'm giving spoilers, or should I not? This is going to be just so it's known from the outset. All three of those films know it's going to be very spoiler heavy for okay. all three. If you haven't seen them, please skip ahead and try us back when you've seen them. But uh, yeah, I, Memento is about. A man who has short-term memory loss. Mm-hmm. He can't. He he can only remember back to a certain point in his life, and every time he clicks, it, he snaps back. It, he doesn't remember anything past the death of his wife, and he's trying to investigate the death of his wife through using notes and tattoos on his body and you, so all these different types clues of clues that he's left for himself. He's right? basically writing a roadmap for himself to circumvent the loss of his he uses memory. Polaroids too, doesn't he? he? Uses Polaroids. Uses a this long spread note map that he keeps in his hotel room he's he's kind of all over the place and he's it's a very roundabout method for trying to solve it but it's through the context of the story you find out that ultimately at the very end mm-hmm. as it all unbinds you find out that he's not even being truthful with himself and as as the audience members learn bits and pieces they start to not add up yeah and it's just you're starting to get a sense that something's awry and he uh, just to get to it in, in a little bit into the the structure of the story that's different is it follows this hairpin structure where it it's going backwards and forwards simultaneously and intercutting okay and intercutting with those two uh flows of time and you're, you're getting kind of a before and after a certain event and then uh you're seeing the very end of the movie is the very first thing that happens mm-hmm. so uh, kind of left with the the first note and it's a little backwards of a story but yeah ultimately you find out that uh, leonard is lying to himself leonard being our main character he's lying to himself and he's been setting himself on these missions to basically recapture going after the man who killed his wife and that he actually achieved that goal a long time ago and this is all just trying to give himself a life purpose and he's spinning out and he's he's killed god knows how many people <laughs> since then <laughs> just out of trying to give himself a and life he purpose. is not necessarily always aware of this no and he, he are you the audience aware or you're piecing it along with him the, the, you find I guess out, it's because you're going backwards and forwards at the same time. Like you're, you you're you're picking up a little bit of these pieces, but it, it's not really apparent until the very end of the movie. Okay, and some of the pieces just start to not add up, and it's very it's it's all right. Something's not making sense. But then he's also telling through the course of the film, he's telling this story about he was a claims investigator for an insurance company, and uh, he has a tattoo on his hand stating "Remember Sammy Jenkins." And Sammy Jenkins' story, we find out, is basically his story, and that he's now 
somehow misremembering it. And it's it plays a lot onto memory. Yeah. And the reliability of memory is a, lar- a large central theme of that movie. But we find out that story that he's been telling to himself is he's not accurately remembering because it it's mm-hmm. his story. And, you know, his, his wife, who he believed was Sammy's wife, was, had diabetes. She ended up killing him, killing herself over the events of what was happening to him. She actually survived the incident that that he has been on a mission to avenge, and just it's it's a it's an interesting tale. That's that's so strange. There's so many times I think I'll run into things just in my own life that I'm I totally misremembered that, or or I don't even remember that. Yeah, like people bring things up to me, and I, I don't, or I remember it differently. Here's a case in point. Funny little story. Yeah, I was 21 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna say 21. Off, off to a great start. And I went to a nightclub downtown. As you do. You know, as, as you do. Got very inebriated. Ended up puking everywhere. Mm-hmm. As you do. I do remember I had Olive Garden. Ah, so, so the, so Olive the Garden, checks out. So the Olive Garden came back up. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother and one of, and his one of his friends, he even has the picture still to this day. Okay. They took me out. I literally had two oh, guys. Oh, like they... Took you out? No, 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 no. They took me out of the of the club and they get me to the car because I could not stand. That's how far gone I was. And one of his friends took a picture of me. Yeah. They, they set me up against the car, mm-hmm. and it was like a white SUV. Yeah, Jeep. I, I remember whose car it was, and I'm, I even kind of remember the picture being taken. Yeah, and he 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 still has it. And damn it, I swear to this day. We got in that car. I sat in the back. I didn't drive, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we drove across the bridge. And I remember putting the window down. And I remember the the wind hitting me in the face as we were driving. I don't know if they're just messing with me, but they say, no, we carried you back to to the Boulevard Apartments when we were in school. Oh, my God. They they both had to arm in arm carry me, get me, walk me across the bridge. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Probably, what is that, quarter of a mile at least, maybe, something around there. Yeah. Somewhere. I do not remember that at all. I have another memory of being in the back of that car and being driven across yeah and the wind hitting me in my face so it's i not to go off on that tangent well but no it's but it's so strange how you uh, credit i was under the influence of alcohol yeah so but your memory is going to be played with i can recall just the feeling of the wind. yeah so it's like did i was i so far gone that i just was completely hallucinating i guess it's possible but, but it I plays to that unreliable memory yeah like, that unreliable memory yeah it's i that's that's why i love about that story is like it's he doesn't even know that he's being untruthful he doesn't know that the information that he's throwing forward constantly day to day Mm -hmm. is invaluable incorrect information and he's he's that final scene where it all clicks together and the the hairpin loops back in on itself on that structure he confesses to himself that he's just going after guy after guy and he realizes that to himself and he writes down he basically just sets up another mark for his his kill list yeah (laughs) and he's just literally lying to himself just to keep playing out this this little fantasy of his and that's definitely a movie we were talking about structure before this is definitely a movie that has structure in mind i would feel oh yeah big time and because i feel that's one of the selling points of unique qualities of it of memento does i guess the question i'm getting at is do you think the the unreliable and we want to make sure we're defining the unreliable narrator simply as just someone that whether in the beginning or the end by by at least the ending of any story you can't trust yeah typically typically it's made well known i mean i'm sure there's examples out there that prove it to the contrary but Mm -hmm. typically in this trope it's it's there's a reveal that their information is not credible to one degree or another okay so what 
the question I'm curious about and what you think is does the unreliable narrator lend itself to only certain stories, genres, or can it be done? Well, in, what what are what are the expectations? I guess I should be the question. When you come and when you go to see a movie or, or read a story and you know the genre, you you have those inherent expectations. Yeah. If we're gonna if we were to do an unreliable narrator story, what are some of the things that we should look at and be like, okay, this is what's going to be expected out of it. I, I would come back to this later because oh, I, okay part part of what part of what I include and I do want to touch on this now, but I want to go to more in depth here later. But part of why I included the informant on this list, I know it's not a lot of people's favorite yeah favorite flick doesn't wasn't their cup of tea, but what I liked most about that movie is it uses the unreliable narrator trope in a very different way. It uses it to largely comedic effect. Okay. It's, it's it's a very serious like SEC like corporate drama, but yeah. at the same time it's it's a Soderbergh comedy. Like yeah. it's it's okay. All right, I'll table. We'll we can. But yeah, we can. So, we can come back. To we'll that. dig more into that here in shortly. We'll get but, that one in due course. Yeah, I I think Memento uses it really well to that that noir degree. But it, that's Guy Pierce too, right? Guy Pierce is in it. So it also uh, Joe Pantoliano. Okay, and Carrie Ann Moss. This, a good cast. This was definitely, and correct me if I'm wrong, was this the one that put Nolan on the map, you think, Memento? Or? Yeah, I mean, his, he did his first feature with Following. Okay. Following is... I've never seen Following. Following is kind of also a little bit of an unreliable narrator, but it's less so. It's it's It follows similar structure, but yeah, it's not quite as ironclad, the, the unreliable narrator. So, off, off, the, off the record. But yeah, I, I think... I think Memento is interestingly tied to Fight Club. There's actually a really cool tie-in. The Polaroid that he has for Teddy, he has Teddy's number on the back of the Polaroid. He does. That number is Marla Singer's number from Fight Club. Yeah, I thought I thought the the Fight Club tie-in was something that was very cool. It's it's always. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that these were so. Yeah, there's interconnected, inspired one off of the other. Yeah, there's there's a lot of very cool tie-ins with Memento, and Memento is also tied to Matrix very heavily. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff there as well. But uh, yeah, if if we're moving on to Fight Club, it seems. Uh, there's there's some interesting twists of the trope in that, and I I feel like it was largely it was based off a novel that that story goes back further than uh, the movie itself. The the interesting duality of well, you have these two prime characters of Tyler mm-hmm. Durden, and as he's though he's not given an official name in the movie, Jack or the as he's often referred to as the narrator, which is the main character. And that and just because Tyler Durden is Brad Pitt's character. Yes. And Ed Norton Jack, Ed is Norton the narrator, a.k.a. Jack. Yeah. Everybody calls him Jack because he's constantly referring to the medical journals that are in the basement of the house. Yeah. Like, this is, I am Jack's medulla oblongata, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's that's where that comes from. Yeah, there's a lot of cool usage of the unreliable narrator trope because very much spoilers, you know, obviously if you have not seen Fight Club, I do not listen, but I'm going to start diving into the ending of Fight Club, which mm-hmm. is the ultimate reveal that Tyler Durden and the narrator are one and the same person. Mm-hmm. So you have it from a two-pronged effect with Fight Club, whereas both of these characters are the unreliable narrator yeah. because they're both the same person. So everything that Durden tells the narrator is unreliable because he's lying to his figuratively himself and it's it there's a lot of interesting duality there because it's the argument of who is the dominant personality in this body because it's it's largely alluded to that tyler durden is the only official name between the two of them so it's like well wait a minute is he the actual dominant personality that lives in this body (laughs) there's some some cool stuff and that's there there, that is there from the beginning because now that i think about it those those what one frame the the sort of before he meets tyler durden yeah officially those what did did they decide that where he technically if you freeze frame it tyler yeah. just pops up 
I think that that's like meant split sec, like a millisecond. I think it's meant to play to a couple of different things with that. Number one, it's that he's starting to creep into the creep into the personality. Yeah. But number two, I think it's also playing off of that story point later that Durden, one of Durden's night jobs is that he works as a film projectionist and that mm-hmm. he's splicing single frames of yeah. porn. Oh, into the, okay. So I think it's playing off of that visually a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I've always thought was cool, just because they they tie him into so many different aspects. But yeah, I I think that the narrator himself is constantly just telling information to the audience about Tyler, about everything, and then you find out that he himself, from his perspective, as him being an unreliable narrator, he just doesn't have all the information all the time because yeah. you get the sense that Durden's been taking over the body and running the show and just not giving him information, so he just doesn't have the whole story. So the information he's giving to the audience just is lacking context. Full scope of the information and that's definitely one of these one of those stories where it's all the clues are all there from the beginning yeah i think no definitely the seeds are there if you're if you're willing to dig in you could probably figure it out so the unreliable narrator and not to maybe we'll get this maybe maybe this is another table because when we get the informant you meant yeah definitely i think does you think it relies more on surprise than suspense or is it or is it kind of a balance of both I, I, i mean obviously if i'm looking at fight club the big surprise is huge Yes, it lends itself to that yeah. because of the design of it, because of the nature of it, because of lies. I think I think the narrator aspect of it very much lends itself to film noir because film noir is probably the best genre that applies narration, mm-hmm. which is why I, th- I think it works well within that those constraints. Why it's often used for that purpose, but I think I think it could really you could really use it for anything. But I think it does lend itself better to those tropes, yeah. which is why it's more common. Well, and two, you had mentioned kind of steering back to Memento for a second. When you're saying with film noir, there was definitely more, I think you did mention it, more gray characters, morally compromised, not sort of a, they have more than necessarily one tragic flaw or anything. They're not that traditional classic hero. There's a lot of anti-heroes. There's a lot of of kind of like that that Walter White type where you you come to really root for them, but then you almost shame yourself for rooting for them because like, oh, this is not a good person. I'm I'm thinking a lot now of... It's not on there, but I'm thinking of some Scorsese pictures. Yeah. Like Taxi Driver or Goodfellas. Taxi Driver is a good example. Where that unreliable, it's it's definitely that quality of, I, I guess there's that challenging quality of going that route with the story if you want to do it. But it also helps because obviously a lot of these characters are not someone you necessarily want to root for or idolize. Yeah. But you, you can't help but be drawn to it. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it's a tricky balance to write yeah, for because you're withholding all, a lot of information from your audience, yeah. but it becomes a tightrope walk of like. It's what definitely do we, compelling. It's it's one of those things. Yeah. It's like why why do we watch you know murder mystery documentary? Yeah. Why are we? Why do some people get obsessed with hearing about serial killers? Yeah. What is true that crime? To? Obviously, yeah, is true very crime, popular. Yes. What is it about that? What what does this? What base need or you know deeper psychological quality does it? Does this trope you know appeal to or call out? I think that's just interesting because thinking about memento like he's not a he's not someone i think you'd ever want to be friends with in real life no not at all i mean i don't know i i'm just saying i'm going off lenny <laughs> gotta gotta love joe pantoliano in that movie he's such mm-hmm. a such a goofball i haven't seen it in a while i'm gonna have to rewatch it's a good one yeah. it, it holds up big time i like it um but yeah we were t- we were talking fight club yes and uh you know i think that uh, i think fight club is probably the most interesting example of the unreliable narrator. It's mm-hmm. the one it, when it comes up. It's the one I always personally think of. Yeah. First, you know, there's a lot of great examples for it, but I think Fight Club is the one that uses it most interestingly. Mm-hmm. Even even all the way far back, you know, if you get the opportunity to read the novel, I do think there's I, there's some great stuff there. I'll be honest, I didn't even know there was a novel. 
they actually did a sequel to Fight Club in in graphic novel form, and I think that the the sequel is very interesting. I actually have a copy of it. I want to lend it to you. I'm He's, he won't lend it to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have to grab that and uh, let you let you check it out. Okay. That's, that's when when one. did it come out? I don't even. Was this like the eighties or the, or the nineties when it came out? Forgive me, Fight Club graphic novel. Oh, okay. They made it. You the- screwed up. <laughs> you. F- you screwed me, you, you suck it, son of a bitch. This whole thing is a sham. We are hacks, ladies and gentlemen. We are hacks, but please. 1996, it really is. Okay, 1996. Please give us your money. It was one year before they started production on the following. So, Oh, okay. So it was, all right. Um, but yeah, I, I, to clarify, I made a mistake. I made a boo-boo. <laughs> the original Fight Club is a a novel by Chuck Palahniuk, and the sequel. Well, is I'm a sure graphic there is novel. probably a, is there a graphic novel? They made now? the sequel is a graphic novel, whereas the original was a, a written, okay. authored novel. We got that cleared up. I fact check myself. I can't put any false information. Out I know. There. You but yeah, I if you, by some way you haven't seen Fight Club at this point, it's been out for what 23 years at this point. Yeah. I do recommend it. It's a good one. Very worth, very worth a watch. It's a little sadistic, not mm-hmm, not for yeah. the not for the weak of stomach or the faint of heart. Yeah, this is one of those that you kind of want to take a second look at who you're. If you do watch it with someone who you, it's one of those things where I don't know, might be worth it to watch on your own first. Yeah, or obviously, if there's this is a terrible example, but you ever have those movies where okay, could I like is this someone that I'd be comfortable watching a sex scene with? Yeah. in a movie, or, you know, like or would it just get really awkward? Definitely. Watch Watch it with your parents by yourself, <laughs> like alone with with your mom or your dad. Like, yeah, I, I I do think Fight Club's the best best particular. If we if we could jump ahead now at this point. Well, let's uh, let's go forward. We'll talk a bit about the informant. Okay, I think. You know, a lot of people didn't like that movie when it was first released, you know, for various reasons. But I, I thought that there was a lot there that was interesting. Have, have you seen The Informant? I have not. So it's it's a different kind of movie. It's it's it starts off with this character, Mark Winter. This is based on a true story. But it's, oh, OK. It's told through a very interesting lens. And you follow Matt Damon's character, Mark Whitaker. He's he first meets with the FBI. He's mm-hmm. talking, giving them all this information. He works for an agricultural company that deals in, you know, cultivating corn and corn syrup. And he starts giving information to the feds about the company itself doing price hiking and setting the prices against what the federal guidelines are. And, you know, so basically they're screwing over the consumer in, in the price fixing. And, yeah. Just be it shady, shady. Shit yeah. Is going down. And on. who who would who would have ever thought who would be surprised? Yeah. But the interesting thing about this story uh, is as obviously this this involves spoilers for the movie. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend watching it and uh, come back to us once you have. But I, I think one of the interesting things about this story is as it goes forward, you find out more and more. Mark is talking to the audience directly, but giving this very bland fact based information, nothing mm-hmm. of any substance to the case. And it's it's just the more it draws you in, it's wait, what is what is this guy's deal? Yeah. And the more information he gives to the feds, he keeps getting caught in these lies with the information he's giving to the feds. And he's talking about all his colleagues and do you want me to wait? <laughs> or do you want to do no, it? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure because I, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. no because I am gonna blow the whole plot for this. No, movie. no, no. I I don't care. I will say I this. I've always said if a story is good, if I really like it, I can know the ending right away. And I'll still want to watch it. Yeah. Because I would also like to learn the how. Yeah. Of, I, I can appreciate it for more than sometimes. I'm, I'm weird like that. Like, yeah. I, I actually don't mind spoilers because mm-hmm. it prepares me. And I'm like, ooh, I look at it as a reason to watch. Yeah. Rather than to not. It was cool because like, I actually, I did see this while we were 
at school and I, a buddy of mine, he was going to the art Institute downtown at mm-hmm. the time. And he got me, got me seats for the advanced screeners for this before it was out. They, so I got to see this before it was advanced and so many people just did not like it. It got panned critically. It did not do well box office, but I was like, there's something about this one. And I, I, yeah. I brought it up in a couple of screenwriting courses and stuff. You know, I got my flack for that as well, but I, I still maintain there's something <laughs> interesting about this movie, but it's, it's, he keeps meeting with the feds. Getting getting all this information out there, and he keeps feeding them stuff, and he's playing off of the whole "I'm I'm in danger, you got to protect me" kind of yeah. stuff. And the more information he gets, he gets to the feds. The more it starts to confuse them and doesn't make sense. And he's he's giving them information about price hiking and all his colleagues, and more and more information comes out. And he says they keep side eyeing him and be like, "All right, Mark, well, you know, you you're, <laughs> you're not really making a lot of sense here." And and ultimately, as it all boils to a head, they realize that nobody at this company was doing anything illegal except for Mark. <laughs> and he was just trying to kind of cover his own ass. And the more he talked about it, the more he leaked out that he's the one who's doing it. Yeah. And nobody... <laughs> And, and also talking on the other side of the table, he, he is, they're all, be, his company becomes aware that they're being looked at by the FBI. <laughs> and the more. Yeah, yeah this is the FBI. <laughs> yeah. The, the more that he ta- he talks with his colleagues as well, the more he digs his own hole. And it's hilarious because he's watching this man literally just dig his own grave for like 90 minutes. Oh my gosh. Like, it's, it's so good. Oh, but, and that is, you said this was Soderbergh, right? I believe so. Let me double check. Tropical plumber, eh? Tropical plumber, today. eh? Hey, everybody. Tropical plumber. Hey. Clean your plumber. Hey, hey, hey. Rocco's mark. Yeah. Oh, you knew that? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Okay. Steven Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I do recommend it. It's a good movie. Um, I, I don't think, you know, obviously it's not Soderbergh's best work, mm-hmm. but I, I think there's, I think it's one of those ones where if you go back to it, look at it, especially through the lens of this unreliable narrator, because yeah. it's, when you think of unreliable narrator, it's always like, oh, it's this dark, gritty noir. You know, it's like this, he's being very untruthful and there's going to be a big reveal at the end. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. this one uses it for such different purposes. Like, That's why I like it. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 it's, smart. it's literally just watching this goofy glasses guy just in the '90s, and I think it's set around the years of like '96 through the turn of the century. He's literally just shoveling himself deeper and deeper for 90 minutes with the FBI and this this major agricultural co- corporation. <laughs> like, and this is on based on a true story. Yeah, you know apparently it'll, it, it's very embellished. You know, a lot yeah, of, a lot well, of which, yeah, of course, usually you always got to take that based lot on of a literary, true story, lot of literary license, but yeah. Apparently, the main points of it did actually happen. And it's oh my like, gosh. And it's, it's just so funny the way that it's presented. And it just, again, just the information that he's, he's telling the audience, he's just talking about agricultural bullet points. And mm-hmm. like, he's being very straightforward. And this is how the industry works. And he's, he's presenting himself to the audience as this very knowledgeable, upstanding citizen, upstanding member of this company. And it's just the more you find out, this dude's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a lying some. <laughs> so do you think then if you're doing an unreliable narrator what what would want what stories i guess would lend themselves to do that or is it is it definitely something that requires a little bit more mastery i of- do think it's anything where you're looking to play a bit of a game with your audience okay. i think it i think lent, this trope can lend to that i think that it's a nice vehicle to be able to give your audience some interesting twists and turns mm-hmm. that they're not going to expect because it's usually when you hear a narrator you're expecting them to be very straightforward yeah 
and give you very credible information. And that's why I think this trope is unique because it's like, oh, well, it's twisting that whole concept on its head. And be like, this information that's going to seem very credible and reliable is all bullshit. Well, yeah, and I'm thinking more of other movies that have the unreliable narrator. Class, another classic one, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Because I guess, spoilers again, the fact that, and I didn't realize this, they cut out some of the, the true opening to Sunset Boulevard was cut out. Really? Yeah. Like, so if you've never seen Sunset Boulevard, I'm pretty sure maybe a lot of people have heard one of the famous quotes of it, the very last line, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Yes. DeMille. Very, very well. So that's where that comes from. But the narrator is narrating the whole time, even after his death in Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, like, that's interesting. It starts out with him. You do, you hear someone narrate, but you don't quite know, is that him? Yeah. In there, and that's sort of the big reveal is that he's already dead and he's been narrating sort of beyond the grave this yeah. whole time, or we've been in his head, or this whole recap is taking place in the last few minutes of it's almost like his life flashing before his eyes again as he slowly d dies after being shot. Yeah, I think he was shot. And what was interesting is I think this was in when what was going when I was in school. They actually, there was a I want to say this, I could be full of shit right now, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just ease up if I'm if if I got this wrong. But I think there was an actual scene that was in the script, didn't shoot it, but the main character is it starts off with his body being put into the morgue and shut. And everyone in there is dead, but he basically has a powwow with everyone else in the morgue. Kind of they start talking to each other like they're ghosts or whatever. Yeah. Are having a thing and they're like, Oh, hey, what are you in for? How'd you die? And he's like, Well, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> and that scene was cut. I don't even think they ever shot it. Yeah. And they just started it right off at the ending and, it, and the narration just takes off and goes from there. So that's definitely that 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 unreliable narrator because you think like, well, he's narrating, so he has to be alive. Right? Yeah. You're taking it's again, it's letting it to that that is credible information. It's spin it's spun at a certain point. And all all I think to that 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 forbidden term to upend the audience expectations. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think it's I think it's an effective tool when it's used right. It's it's one of those ones that can be very very cliched, very very overdone. Well, yeah, but. it would be easy to just do a film noir story and just be like, okay, we just got to come up with a really, we just got to work up to the twist. What's our twist? Yeah. What's our big surprise ending? What's our shocking ending? And then we just got to get there rather than earning it. I think that's one thing too. I feel like this is something that you have to earn the ending. Yeah. The unreliable, that might be the one just, I've never done it myself. I've never written a story with an unreliable, like, at least I don't think I have. I, what am I saying? I've never written anything. I'm, yeah, you have. No, I mean. I've it, read, I've read by it. It sits in a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you have to earn. That's one thing is you can get to that moment, but if the ending doesn't feel earned. Yeah, it has to, it has it to. Won't. And also you, also you have to do it in a way that your audience isn't going to necessarily see it coming. Yeah. It's one of those things that's been done enough times now, it's like that's getting trickier and trickier to pull off. Yeah, and go, if I use Fight Club, just because I remember that one the most, if you didn't have all of the the sort of conflict that Ed Norton's character goes through with Brad Pitt's, yeah. Then the big reveal, I still want to know how he survives the the gunshot. Yeah. To, but I get that's just I'm talking that's not It's one of those fantastical yeah. Yeah, movie moments. Yeah, that's not moments. the point of the story. Yeah. You could also be Cuz that argue, would kill you I think in real it life. It could also very much be argued because he is alone and at the time that it's just mm -hmm. maybe more metaphorical that he killed Durden within yeah. his own mind kind of thing. But yes, if you don't I feel like this is one that really has the impact, but I feel like you got to make sure you earn it because I feel like some people, you, you could be too quick to craft that ending and then forget about the setup yeah, and, and, the, and the middle. And, it, and it, could, it could potentially not play the way you want it. Mm -hmm, for sure. And it's as with everything, levy it one way or the other. 
Yeah. The the other thing too is this 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 kind of trope was largely we've we've dabbled around in the the thoughts realm there the, oh, the yes. once upon a time YouTube yes. series that did occur. This, this these kinds of flicks were definitely inspiration for that yes. type of thing. Uh -huh. Spin, spinning a genre just for even for like a three comedy deal, but it was like that's the arena that I was trying to play mm -hmm. in. Oh, and I think too, anytime you enter the character's mind, that's when you can really start. To, the closer you get to the character or the narrator, mm -hmm. the more. It can become the more impact you can have. Also, the more the you audience. the more you'll trust the information. Yeah, or at least if it's done well, you should you should be led down that snap mm -hmm. reel. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of different ways to play it and a lot of different uses that you can portray it with. But there's there's it's one of those ones that it's I feel is going to be spun interestingly. It's still got a lot of runway to yeah. go with before it's it's a stale concept. But it's it's a tricky one because it's I, th I think it does. I get, do think it is tricky. Yeah. It's it's I, as in the case of Fight Club specifically, I think they do one of the things they do very well is the playing back and forth between Durden and the narrator is they will watching it back once you know the twist, once you know what's happening. They even they even annotate this directly in one of the scenes. They say sometimes Tyler spoke for me. You hear yeah. Tyler says a line and then it's repeated directly out of Ed Norton's character's mouth. And it's I, when you watch it back, it's like you see certain lines come out. And they played with that even when it's subtextually early in the earlier scenes. I'm trying to think of a good hard example of it. I know I know I was just watching it today. I was trying to find one, but it was there's like I almost want to. <laughs> yeah, pull it up. I'm never ready. <laughs> that's that's my problem. Yeah. But it's just like it's I think like it's it was very well thought through mm -hmm. through the course of a lot of those earlier scenes where it's like he the the the, the three way thing of Tyler being with Marla and the narrator having to interact with her after D Durden has left the forefront of the psyche. But from Marla's perspective, she's just dealing with yeah, one man, one man. Yeah. But from Tyler and the narrator's perspective, he's looking at like a love triangle situation, which doesn't even exist. But yeah. it's, it plays from both of those angles, which I think is really cool. So like it hinges off of that lying to the audience mm -hmm. in a very interesting way. And which I, I think why this one sits as a very interesting staple of this whole concept. Well, I think that's interesting. And this makes me think of a question. Do you think that the unreliable narrator always has to be a character in their own story or can it be someone I'm trying to think of an example where you have that removed narrator and this might be more in the literature where you have the the third person perspective mm -hmm. everything's written you never get fully into the character's head so you kind of have this this outside narrator in the story so does so does an unreliable narrator I guess that could be unreliable depending on how you write the story yeah but I guess one of the foundational tropes is more often than not, they tend to usually be a character in their own story. I would imagine so. Yeah, I I, th I think it, I don't obviously with everything it doesn't have yeah, to it doesn't be. have to be. You can do anything you want. This if, is more me. I'm sure there's a way to make anything work, but I, at least in the examples I've seen, not the case. But I would I would actually kind of like to see something like that tried. I kind of want to see what I would like to see is what everybody would expect to be an unreliable narrator story turns out not to be. And that's, oh, that's be the spin. Like That'd be a tough one to do, I feel. I, yeah, it would have yeah. to be so on the nose in the earlier part that that's yeah. what the, was, that was the intent. I, would you Would you then... That would be tough. That would be tough. Yeah, it would have to be so, I for feel people like, who are so versed in the concept. Yeah, I feel like you would... You run the risk of lo losing interest. It would be such a tricky balance. So off. Yeah, that would be a tough one, but if you, if you got it right. Yeah, hmm. right? Oh, I'm not not going to attempt. I'd never, I'd never even get close. Never say never. I just Justin did. Bieber. <laughs> I just did. Oh no. Yeah, I'm trying. I haven't seen Fight Club in a while. Or Memento. Do for a rewatch, my mm -hmm. man. They were both up there. I, I think I have the informant as well. Oh, all right. Is it on your voodoo? Mm -hmm. Oh, another one I was thinking of. 
You tell me what you think. I was thinking of Shutter Island. Another, uh, yeah, I think Shutter Island is another good another, example. And, and still, I actually almost put it on the list for this, but I, I like the, so the three examples. Here's my interpretation of it, and I could be wrong. Tell me what you think. So was DiCaprio's character then aware the whole time of what was going to happen to him, and he was just ready to be done with it? I th- like because there's the there's the line he says to Mark Ruffalo's at the end. That very ends. Yeah, and he says, "I'm getting it wrong." Would you rather, how does he say it? Would you rather die as a monster, live as a, live live, as a monster or, or die as a good man? Die as a good man. Yeah. I think something or something, something to that avail. Yeah. That, that effect. And that makes, cause there's the moment then where rough, where he's about to go to be, I guess he's being lobotomized or yeah. something. And Ruffalo's character, you can see that the wheels turn in Ruffalo's character's head. Like I think is, is, is DiCaprio's character's name is a Teddy or something? I think so. That sounds right. Clearly, as you can tell, folks, we do our research with this stuff. Yeah, it's heavily, heavily versed in these topics. I am always prepared. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that that ending, I know it's definitely an ambiguous ending. Yeah. But I always took it as, okay, so pretty much everything. We were duped, but then we were duped again with it's it's almost like a, a double twist a turn yeah. and a turnaround it's kind of yeah he's kind of it, it is subtly put into play that he's he's aware but he's almost sealing that door off from himself yeah because he can't deal with the world yeah anymore he's accepted what's happened yeah and and that passed but that's definitely another one i think and, it, and that is definitely has that film noir mm-hmm. thriller thing going on with it i think yeah i think horror uses it a lot too no the the unreliable i think yeah i think that a case could be made for invisible man Mm. Um, like the original Universal classics. Um, I think there's, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff with that. But I well, think there is, that, there's an aspect of that. In there, there is also that inherent mystery behind having an unreliable narrator. Yeah, I think, it, I think, like I said before, that that rel- that credibility that goes with the narration. You just assume that that information is actual yeah. by by nature because it's so directly stated to mm-hmm. the audience. But it's when you start playing around with that and making it part of the mystery and the mystique of, of everything, I think that lends some interesting opportunities to twisting and bending your audience's expectations. And it's and it's funny how having, you don't necessarily even need a narrator. I guess, you, well, yeah, you don't even need, does he narrate in Shutter Island? I don't think he does. He might not. I, I really, it's been a while, so I don't really remember it's, to be honest, but. It's almost just having that, and when we say narrator, we're not necessarily meaning that there has to be narration. Yeah, I mean, you we're could talking definitely... about an unreliable main source of information. Yeah, in the context, it's of most the story. commonly a narrator. Yeah, but it, you could make the case for just a character yeah. that's untruthful. But... And that well, I'm trying to let's see, I'm trying to think of a horror. Oh, I just watched this. Did you? The Shining. Oh, The Shining. Yes, that is definitely again not necessarily a narrator, but it does kind of fall in line with the tropes. Well, definitely going down that. Though him losing his mind, essentially, or it's what you're meant to believe. Could you argue then that the unreliable narrator in that is Kubrick and the way he directed it? I mean, he did run around the outside of the set laughing at the cast. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess, I guess there, now we're getting into that meta thing. Can the unreliable narrator exist beyond the pages of the story itself maybe, and the screen? Maybe because we didn't do our research, <laughs> we're the unreliable narrator. This whole episode is a sham. Not a bit of this information is true. You're, you're not even listening to this right now. You're in an insane asylum. <laughs> you're you're the monster dying as a good man, which oh may not even gosh. be the quote in that movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure. We have no idea. Unreliable. I was thinking of a. I was thinking of a of a game like a recent one where hopscotch. No, 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 hopscotch. <laughs> I've hopped quite a few scotches in my day. <laughs> same here you ever get like 
some some buttery scotch and you're just sitting there and you're like yeah this is gonna work <laughs> out <laughs> uh, there's one i just i just played it not too long ago what platform playstation playstation yeah horror or a more narrative no definitely a much more narrative driven no not death stranding last of us although last of us could be considered i don't know what do you think last of us could be oh have? actually yeah so if you, especially if you take it from i'm sp- i'm thinking specific i am thinking specifically of the game storylines yeah. Uh, yeah i'm thinking of the game too joel's lying to ellie with that, that end mm-hmm. sequence obviously again not a narrator's take but with this withholding of information you could take the untruthful lead character as another version of this um, joel's lie to ellie again this goes with spoilers i hope everybody you know take has take, played or Played the game or watched the show. If you, know, you haven't, do yourself a favor. And uh, skip this information following. But, you know, Joel tells Ellie that he did not do anything unethical to remove her from the situation. That the fireflies yeah, were he, taken out and that, you know. Yeah, he basically doubles down. Because her goal was to, you know, save humanity. And yeah. But what she didn't know was that she would have to die for that cause. And Joel took the ethical stance that she wasn't able or to make that the, decision. So. Or he took, you could even argue, he took the selfish stance because yes. he already lost the he daughter. Was, and he, he was, didn't want to go through it again. And he was like, what? And in his mind, humanity was the one who killed his actual biological daughter. Yes. Wasn't the fungus. So it's in his mind, it's like, nope, we, we had our shot. I'm not going through this pain again. And yes. It, um, it is very much from a selfish standpoint. Right? Yeah, there there is that too. I guess that that brings in if you're crafting, be it the narrator or the unreliable protagonist. Yeah. For sake of discussion here. Yeah. What are some if we had to make a little bit of a bullet point? So do they tend to? It seems like they tend to lie to themselves a lot. Yes. That's a big thing that they do. Like they just especially especially have, in the case. I mean, we of all do. Club yeah. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, we all. I feel like everyone does that to an extent. Yes. Which is why I think it's a relatable concept. Yeah. But. And it, and it's just when I mean I mean life is let's let's face it can be very shitty at times. Yes. And it's just sometimes it's just a defense mechanism to just give yourself some peace of mind and and respite. Did I say that word correct? Respite, yes. respite, respite, respite. respite. Oh, cut this you know, out. cut this out. Respite, please. how you said it. <laughs> cut this out, please. <laughs> don't. I don't want to sound like an idiot. You're just being unreliable. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 you know where it's going. Yep. Um, uh, well, so they lie to themselves. I feel like. That tends to be a lot. They lie to themselves. Yeah, that's a, that's typically a main point, and it, that is an easy way to have a shred of redemption for that yeah. character and not make you totally despise them. Yeah, and they don't always have to be having a mental breakdown too, like a a legit psychosis. Yeah. Or, well, in specific in the case of in the case Tyler, of yeah. Fight Club, it's yeah. like Durden is a devious mother. Who's yeah. trying to trying to withhold information, mm-hmm. whereas the narrator doesn't always know. He's just he's, it's more omission of facts mm-hmm. with him. He doesn't he doesn't have all the facts. He doesn't know all the information. Project Mayhem is emerging beyond his comprehension or understanding. It's mm-hmm. just he wakes up one day and it's all there, and it's like, where did this come from? Yeah. Well, it's even it's even said as one of the running motifs. What's the number one rule about Fight Club? I feel like that you don't talk about Fight become, Club. You don't talk about Fight Club. I don't know. Has that made its way into the memes? Is that oh big time? Is that, that do people know it more for the meme now than like I see it the all the, I see it all the time online. I, like, his I, name was Robert like, Paulson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I see that a lot for Lord of the Rings. Like yeah. I'll see it's some people know it more for the memes or Gladiator. Are you not entertained? People know that more. 
now than they do the movie necessarily. His name was Maximus Decimus Meridius. Yeah. Father to a, a murdered son, mm-hmm. husband to a murdered wife, wife, and I will have my vengeance in this, in this life, life or the next. Or the next. <laughs> Great. Ah! Um, <laughs> yeah, so they don't necessarily have to have that mental break, that physical manifestation. You know, yeah. in, in the case of Fight Club, he's actually, it, it lent the, that he's having a psychotic. I guess he's hallucinating at least at the very. He thinks there's two people, but he's not. He's in very psychological stories. It does lend itself to this. So there is more of a psychological thing going on here. So. It, it's again it's it's typical but not necessary to definitely it. a callback so these are much more character driven pieces i would i would say. oh big time yeah big, big, you, big can, time. you can if you're doing it un- which makes sense because if you're doing an unreliable narrator you know it's you know, it's t- it's focusing typically all around that person yeah especially in the case of the informant everything centers around mark whitaker he is the, the centrifuge of all the bullshit happening mm-hmm. in that story <laughs> like and it is all bullshit <laughs> Yeah, they like lie to themselves. Obviously, they're lying to other people too. Oh yeah, especially again, especially in the case of the informant, he's li- he's literally lying directly to the audience and to every single character in the would, storyline. Would I'm just this one just came into mind? Would being there would would you consider him an unreliable narrator? Yeah, so that's a little bit like it's again. It's but like, even he doesn't know. But then that ending is but that's, so that's ambiguous. That's also part of it. It's not always necessarily that they're lying. It could just be they don't have all the facts. They don't have all the information. Like, especially in a, in the case. Of memento it's just like he doesn't know mm-hmm. that he's lying but he also in, when you find at the end yeah. like there's another side to his psyche where he's lying directly to himself in order to kill people but it's generally through the course of the storyline it's just he doesn't know because yeah. he's literally losing his memory every five yeah. minutes highly recommended movie if you've never seen it yeah uh, being there I love, I love being there 1979 i think is when it came out yeah he's, he's 1980 maybe yeah he's literally just a child who doesn't yeah. know Sellers any better plays Cha- chauncey gardner chauncey that, gardner yes yeah. and by uh, is Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby. Film. Great, 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 great. Hal great, Ashby, very famous editor turned director. Yeah, you know, a great he, comedic film, but also very strikingly profound. Profound. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. No, I was, I was trying. I was about to say dramatic, but I'm like, that's not. Yeah. Profound is a better better word to put there so you definitely look up that because that's one that i think has that it has that same i'm looking at it as it has a similar structure to fight club in that here you are introduced to this character now he doesn't have then again i guess you could take it that way but he doesn't have this inherently mental breakdown that ed norton's character is having but we see him and we think i mean i think the opening scene is just he was the gardener for some I guess wealthy guy, someone for money, someone for money, some aristocrat like person. Yeah, and he can't live there anymore, so he has to just venture out into the world for the first time in his I life. I think in some of my research and looking up examples, I think being there didn't pop up. Yeah, it's an unreliable character. An unreli- yeah, that unreli- Yeah, that there's that. There, but I will say these all seem to have there is that that climactic twist. Yeah, even if it's past the climax, I shouldn't even say climactic twist. There is that sort of the button. Mm-hmm. If you will. These ones rely heavily on the button, yeah. as we would call it sometimes in screenwriting. That little, you see it a lot in short films. It's just that little quick sort of, that's all right, let it out. Let it all <clears> out. <throat> let it all out. It's the, it's the Palmer. <laughs> it's the tea. <laughs> Nobody drink the tea. The tea has gone bad. The tea bad. has gone bad. Oh, we got to do that one. Well, we are going. We got to do that We are one. going to do that one. That's such a good one. And I was talking about the structure, like the button. Yes, the button. You see it a lot in in short films. It's just a. It's just kind of an exclamation point. Something. The twist. The 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 weird. The little shock that can leave a lasting impression on your audience. It seems like the unreliable narrator. The, if I'm just looking at this as a structure. I'm trying to pick it apart and boil it down to its individual ingredients. 
it seems like there is that you were saying like could you do one with explain it again to me How so it was like it? do one with where you I want to make sure almost it. like you think it's going to be an un- you set it up that you set it up but it it's seems not obvious the twist is they the were reliable is, the twist is their information turns out to be correct okay which I I thought that that would be interesting. I just don't know how to tightrope walk that so yeah. so well. But it's I, I think there could be a cool story there. So I, would you? I'm just. Would you think being there kind of t- gets close to that? Then the the because we all think. I mean, we think from the beginning he's just some more like idiot or like idiot savant. Idiot savant. Well, like he's just very. He has no clue what he's talking about. Yeah. Because we know who he is, or at least we think we do. And everyone else is taking him very seriously. I mean, he's getting up into high ranks of politics and power. He's informing <laughs> that people. That end sequence. And he's again, using, this is spoilers for being there. Yes. Please, please. Yes, because you know, if you don't, I, I do highly recommend watching that. But that end sequence where literally the high-ranking party members of American politics are mm-hmm. talking about their next candidate. And they're, I think our only, our only saving grace is Chauncey Gardner. Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, know. of course, the final shot. He There he is walking on water yeah and you hear life is a state of mind i I, like, I think so a case could be made then a case could be made for that yeah just, like because i literally thought of that when you because like is that is that at least approaching what you were talking about it's it's in it's in the arena of what i'm thinking now that you brought that up it's like okay that, that might be what i'm thinking of actually but no and, and again that's all up for debate yeah but it definitely because i feel like that's one of the and again the ending is very up I think up to your interpretation. Yeah. You can try and decide what do you think it means. It's, it does leave you with a lot of questions. That, yeah. It sets it up that he, this guy is a fool Yeah, and it's meant to be for comedic effect. And the joke is that they're taking him very seriously. I think he's this wise sage character. One of my favorite like messianic figure. One of my favorite blooper reels of all time. He turns out to walk on water at the end. Yeah. Is, is that ending title sequence yes, where he's laying on the slab. That they kept in, and he's constantly He just can't up. get through you the line. tell that asshole. <laughs> do your, yeah, do yourself a favor. That movie just... Watch, watch that movie, or at the very least watch... That's one that... Th- and one thing, too, I've always heard... It was... I think it was John Voight did an interview, and I want to say it was John Voight. John Voight's car. John Voight's John car. Voight's pencil. <laughs> and I think... He 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 was he was there with Hal Ashby and he says, Oh man, they did a take and he said, Oh man, I'm sorry, I really, I really messed up on that one. And then Hal just kind of shrugs it off. Like, what what's the difference? We're here, we're making a movie, we're with good company. Yeah. Don't worry. That that is uh, is definitely interesting in the world of entertainment and storytelling to have someone who is much more relaxed yeah. in the craft. For sure. But yeah. But I, yeah. I th- yeah, I think this whole concept it's one that I think is still kind of kind of evolving kind of growing. I think there's a lot of room Yeah, definitely. for this one to be played with in future years. I think it's I think you're going to see now that Memento with the rise of Chris Chris Nolan's career, I think it's mm-hmm. starting to gain a lot of a lot of attention. I think that this especially in the notoriety of Fight Club, I think that this trope has a lot more years to grow and evolve and yeah. be played with some. So I think I think we're going to see some cool stuff. Yeah, definitely a lot. I'm sure there's a ton we missed that can fit this mold. Absolutely. Too. I could I could probably do a whole separate yeah, let episode us know if you on think of something, yeah, on this topic, but definitely definitely a cool one. Definitely definitely all of the films we mentioned are definitely worth uh, checking out. And look at this concept for for what it what you will. It's still evolving, still a lot of people are taking their their takes on it and I, usual suspects is, uh, is another good one mm-hmm. you know so you know take that with what you will the grain of salt and uh play around with it see what you can come up with or everything we did was just a lie or absolutely none of it was mm. true <laughs> it was all the coffee mug it was all <laughs> this bumper sticker on Sweet. the whiteboard <laughs> 
Uh, it's Im- it's it's immaterial. It's a wazzy. It's a woozy. It is no matter. It's just you know, it's just there. <laughs> it is the chocolate chip cookie and the glass of tea. Did you finish that cookie? You're damn right, I did. Oh my god! I had a fork and knife. I d- I doused it in a one. The steak of a cookie. <laughs> you went the. Isn't it George who eats the Snickers yeah. bar? <laughs> what? How do you fork? eat it with your hands? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Always and forever. Did you hear that? That means he's got, he's got, he's got, he's got robots everywhere. He's hacked my phone. I hacked your phone decades ago. Wait, it's not, not. You gotta push the button. It's not working. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm not weird. You're weird. I don't know how to do this. You're the stuff. one that's making it weird. I'm the, I don't know how to do this stuff. Right. <laughs>